Hi, everyone. It's Rebecca Minkoff. You're listening to Superwomen. This is my bonus episode during Corona. Uh, today, I talked to Wendy Hilbert, a co-founder of Jeremy Law. She is our amazing lawyer for all things Female Founder Collective and also has become a great friend. And Shelly Kapoor Collins, the founder of the venture capital fund, The Shatter Fund. And today we're going to talk about what you should know legally, whether it's regards to handling your leases, to how you should deal with staff, um, as well as how to um, sort of find out what you can do within your company to stay around and alive. And also good news, Shelly says, still fundraise. There are companies out there still investing. So if you were starting to lose hope, this is a perfect episode for you. Take a listen. Shelly. Hey, Rebecca. How are you? I am well. It is so nice to hear your voice. How are you? I'm good. Hanging in uh, there. Hanging in there. <laughs> exactly. Wendy, do you want to give a little bit of info? who you are. We get to work together a lot at Female Founder Collective as our on-record lawyer extraordinaire. Um, but do you want to give a little bit of background about you? And Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm a lawyer um, and I've been practicing law for um, for a while. I was at a big firm and then I took time off to really focus on my family. I worked at a, at a startup for a little while and ran a nonprofit and then came back to law more recently, um, essentially running my own practice with a partner. We run a small firm called JRM Law. And it's been really, really an exciting transition for me from the way I practiced law before because I work almost exclusively with early stage companies and invent- investors um, like Shelly, who's on the call, and obviously like Female Founder Collective. I do a lot of IP work for them, and I also do a lot of venture work and just general business administration from kind of getting their companies up and running uh, all the way through management of whatever it is they have going on. So some of the female founder collective companies themselves and, and certainly the, the collective. And then on the investor side, working with um, investors, evaluating deals and running and managing their investment, um, the legal side of that. Awesome. And Shelly, do you want to talk about Shatterfund and your work? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So um, let's see, I am a techie by background. I started off my career about 20 years ago as a programmer and um, came out to Silicon Valley from the East Coast. I came out with Oracle Corporation, spent 10 years um, in corporate um, tech and really you know, got some great experience, but I wasn't passionate about it. So I made a little move into politics and became a um, tech advisor to Kamala Harris's attorney general campaign. And then I don't know, technology co-chair to um, President Barack Obama's re-election campaign before I was actually uh, appointed in his administration, second administration, to the President's Council for Women in Business, where I really just kind of dug into, you know, what does it take for female entrepreneurs to start businesses and what are the prohibitive factors and, you know, everything that I've been doing up to that point from investing in women to as an angel investor to mentoring them, my tech experience, it all just kind of came together when I came out of the administration um, to launch Shatter Fund, which now uh, essentially um, through the fund, we only back um, digital companies led and founded by female entrepreneurs. I love that. Um, and I love that you're focused only on female entrepreneurs. We could, we could use more of you <laughs> right now. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to launch this sort of, um, these mini bonus episodes, uh, especially during this time was to give, you know, I do have some male listeners, but mostly female listeners, really great actionable advice 
and or takeaways of what they can do now to either impact their business or um, help their lives in some way. So I'd love for each of you to share what you recommend from a legal perspective, you know, Wendy, what you're seeing um, with companies, how to survive, how to, what they should look out for. Um, mm-hmm. And then Shelly, specifically to you, like, you know, if you have advice around how we can support more female entrepreneurs to what should women do who are counting on investments that might have evaporated? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll jump and start and then toss it over to you, Shelly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot's been made of the public money that's out there for entrepreneurs through the CARES Act and particularly the PPP, the Payroll Protection Program, which it's unknown exactly how this is going to play out. There's a lot of talk of more money coming. Congress is not in session. They'll be coming back in session hopefully next week and whatever that looks like um, and hopefully be allocating more funds. But right now, uh, while a lot has been allocated from the government and given to the Small Business Administration, the SBA, to allocate to businesses. From what I'm hearing, um, very, very few, less than 5% of companies have actually started to get that money. And some banks, most banks are not authorizing loans anymore. Uh, Even at the beginning, a lot of banks were requiring that you had a pre-existing relationship. So there is money there. And I don't want to say that founders shouldn't continue to try um, certainly if you have a pre-existing relationship with a bank and you haven't already absolutely reach out to your bank and, and see if there's any money you can take advantage of there. The sole proprietors and um, independent contractors were told to wait. So there's supposedly as money being alloc- you know, held for them and their applications can start coming in, I think at the end of this week, I believe. And I actually was just looking because the, the regulations were really unclear on how, a sole proprietor was supposed to determine what their payroll is because a lot of sole proprietors, which is actually, I think it's 26 million uh, companies have no payroll. So that's basically really the vast majority of small businesses. And I know a lot of our member um, companies in the collective are sole proprietors, or maybe you have a handful of independent contractors, but you're a, a solo a solo business and you don't necessarily have a payroll, or if you do, you're paying yourself very, very little. Um, so, so there are now, there's a little bit more information we have on how this is, you're supposed to determine your money. You can't, you can't have a payroll of over a hundred thousand. So whatever you're paying yourself, drop it down to a hundred thousand if it's, if it's above. And basically you can use an eight week window of that. So if you look at your 2019 filing and you cut out what you would have made in an eight week window, so take that whole number and, and, you know, um, amortize it. That's what you could apply for as a sole proprietor for your income for that year. So that's kind of the public. There's also some other loans through the SBA. There's always the traditional SBA loans, but there's also through the CARES Act, the EIDL loans, which are worth looking into as well, which are more just small business, really low interest rate loans that are that are great to take advantage of. And and I'll also say, and we can get into this more later, because this is probably stuff that, that Shelly and I both have thoughts on is, um, you know, and, and, and I guess just from the legal side, I think it's a time to think about what your core business is and is that going to be valuable right now? And maybe you'll come back to it. Maybe there's something to, to pivot into or out of look at whatever intellectual property you created. How can you monetize on that? How can you maybe um, create joint ventures with other entities or friends that you have that have businesses? How can you collaborate and put something together that might be beneficial? I was talking to somebody the other day who's you know, taking her business and, and learning how to create sort of an online platform to offer what she's already doing, but then bring that to others that, that are similarly situated to her. So there's so many folks out there like like the Shelleys of the world that have the technical bandwidth, but maybe if it's not it's not your expertise partnering with somebody to bring something to the table that you bring and then and, and partnering with them. So I'll let Shelley jump in also and, and we can come back to this because there's obviously a lot there to think about and talk about. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that it's like 
looking at some businesses and taking the emotion out of what might have been your baby. But if it doesn't work in this environment, you know, doing a pivot to stay alive. And then you can always circle back later when when things return to whatever whatever normal is at the end of this. Totally. Or uh, circling back or adding something new in, right? We don't know what we're going to, we don't know what's coming, but something's going to be learned for all of us through this. Yeah, totally. Shelly, did you want to give some, yeah, some nuggets of wisdom? (laughs) Like, of course. So so what what I would start off by saying is, you know, it's not even the word pivot. I know that pivot has a very scary connotation to it. Like my business didn't work, so I had to pivot. I think that really what you want to think about is innovation, right? Like any company, it's a legacy industry or it's a current um, company. If you don't innovate, you die. So I'm actually really excited about this period. I know, and from a business standpoint and innovation standpoint, because we're going to see some really amazing companies arise out of the winter of COVID and what we're seeing now. For example, in you know the winter of the 2008 recession, you had Airbnb, you had Slack, you had um, Pinterest, Uber. All of those companies came up at that time, and so I'm excited to see what women-led companies, especially, which I feel are the most innovative because of our point of view. Um, and what they're going to be changing. Um, just a couple of days ago, I spoke to a company that's in the restaurant business, and I, I gave that person some ideas on how they could be even better. And she actually wrote me back saying, thank you, that's really exciting, and we're going to focus on that. So I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, what I'll say is that, especially at this time, like why I started Shatter Fund was about, you know, we, we want to fund big ideas um, that women have, and our call to action is cash investment, Right. And so anyone who has an innovative idea right now, they need to come forward because there are people who are still wanting to invest in them. And how do you think um, a female founded company who is trying to get that should go about like knowing which companies or how they should approach these companies? Because, you know, a lot of them are already told no. And so how do you, in, in a good time, they're told no. And so how do you get them to like figure out who's, who's open for business and who wants women? You mean for fundraising specifically, Rebecca? Yeah, or or the capital you were just talking about. If there's other forms that you were mentioning, yeah. private capital. Well, yeah, and I, you know, what I'll, I'll do is piggyback off of what Wendy said, which is that you know, um, private capital. I'm sorry, public capital is starting to dry up, right? And so that's right. where private capital is going to be even more critical. You know, small businesses cannot run on the backs of government money alone. And that's why it is so um, important in this cycle, especially that LPs investors step up and they are putting money into the economy, into the private, uh, into the private sector to then fund these small businesses. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, as soon as COVID hit, uh, our fund proactively reached out to our portfolio companies and other female-led businesses around the country because we wanted to find out what issues they're facing and how to understand and to understand what we could give them, right? What they need and what we could give them in the next six months to a year. And what we found, um, while our results will be coming out in the next week or so, what I found was really heartening was that women are still raising capital. Our results show that women are still finding private capital, investors are still investing. And I took that as a glimmer of hope. And they're doing it from private family offices and they're doing it from VCs like myself. I mean, in the last three weeks, Wendy, I don't know, we made, what, five investments still? Some of them were on pre-COVID, but we followed through. You even increased some of them. Some of them you added, you um, doubled down, you know, seeing how they might uh, really emerge. I I think that's a great point because, you know what, this is the kind of time in the industry, right, where 
our commitment to, to female entrepreneurs is unwavering. And especially at this time, we are doubling down because I know, we know that an inclusive economy that includes women as 100 participate, participants in innovation is going to be a huge part of the solution to get us out of this, um, out of this downward spiral. Thank God for you, because I feel like this has been a game of pass the buck, you know, like yeah. um, with stores closing and then not, you know, not taking in POs. And then those, you know, at least in my in my yeah. business, you know, so it's, it's really nice that you're following through on those investments and that you're looking for them. So I think that's great hope for female founders out there. I'm curious to know, like, if you were a small business, and I'm not sure how much of this legally, Wendy, you can go into, but you're a small business, you have leases, you can't then pay your lease, but you know, you know, that your landlord is threatening you, but you're not going to go hire a lawyer to help you deal with that. Like, what are the what are some tools or resources that these companies could have? Because I know that's a challenge for a lot of people right now. And some people are just putting it off and deal with it later. But what are you seeing as possible solutions? Yeah, and I am seeing it from both sides, to be honest, I'm seeing it from landlords, and I'm seeing it from tenants. I think get out in front of it, um, especially if you don't want to go down the legal path and you don't want to have to pay a lawyer or end up in that situation because, you know, if you're if you're under a lease, technically you are wrong, right? By law, you will have signed a lease and you're not paying your lease. So we are under very extenuating circumstances. It's possible some of these leases have clauses that could help you out. But most of these leases are so long and bringing a lawyer in to review it is going to be, like you said, sort of a hassle. I don't want to dissuade anyone from from using a lawyer if, if that's in the in the mix for you, if that's in the toolbox right now, I'm sure that's a great help. But if not, like you said, Rebecca, I would get out in front of it, reach out to your landlord. I've seen a lot of clients do this. And I'm not saying everyone's finding success, but a lot of landlords recognize what's going on, and that it's going to help them at the end of the day to maintain their tenants, because they're not, you know, they're not all of a sudden going to have 50 tenants, you know, knocking their door down in two months. So if they can't give you a little bit of a bridge, you're just going to have to default and get out of this. It's, it's not, they don't have anything to win by fighting against you. So I would suggest getting out in front of it, try to have a conversation with your landlord ahead of time. Maybe there's a way you can set up some sort of a deferred payment. You can maybe use some of your security deposit now and say you'll you know, replenish that at some future point. Um, I, I've seen conversations like that. There are situations you could set up some sort of a loan with them. Maybe there's a loan that's um, that's paid back by some amount of you know uh, of your profits over the next period of time or something like that. But that's going to probably take a lawyer to structure that. So if there's if there's a, if if you already have a positive relationship with your landlord, I would just get on the phone with them and try to have a conversation, you know, voice to voice. And, and email can be helpful, but it's always better, I think, to start talking these things through and just see where you can land. And nobody knows yet, right? We don't know where you can be able to get back in your space in a month, depending on where you are geographically, that might be realistic. I think, you know, in some of the bigger cities, it's probably going to be a bit longer, especially like for us in New York, but but we don't know. Right. Okay. Is there any um, resources that you guys feel have been valuable in sort of navigating this for people to sort of continue to get updates? I, I feel like I'm overwhelmed with, there's like, yeah. 600 different resources for PPP or SBA loans and all, you know, totally. so are there like one or two that you feel like have been good places to get information? I think for the government stuff, Rebecca, <laughs> you can obviously go straight to the SBA, but it's not necessarily easier than anything else. Honestly, for that, your bank, if you don't have a pre-existing relationship already with a bank and by pre-existing, hopefully you've had, whether it's a checking account, a credit card, any sort of business account, anything, any sort of pre-existing relationship, get in touch with that bank. 
You may have to sit on hold. You may have to call a few times, but just try to get on their radar, hopefully speak to an individual banker, get their name, get their number, start to be in touch with that person because that's probably going to be your best. They're the ones processing the loans. The SBA website has information, but it's it's pretty generic. If you're not in a relationship with a bank yet, um, you can go to the SBA and find one that's in your geographic area or that's um, you know that, that that you may know of or you've heard of that you can you know get in touch with. That's probably for the for the government. That's probably my best piece of and advice. I, okay, um, and I agree with you. It's overwhelming how much information is out there. Yeah, I was actually going to um, second Wendy's point is that you know what I was an appointee in the SBA. Um, for three years. And unless you have those internal relationships, and I still have some of those, the the government is very, um, it's opaque, right? And it's it's mysterious, and it's hard to navigate. Um, just by looking at the website, it doesn't give you much. So having those relationships is really key. Awesome. And on the on the investment or private capital fund, front, are there resources or good places that the, um, if you're a female founder, you can go to just... I, I- get some insight. I would say that if you're, um, if you're venture backed, um, your VC should be your best source of information. Um, um, there are a couple of trade associations that, uh, share that information with VCs. That's where I got mine. I also went to my contacts in the SBA. I know that, um, there are other, um, VCs that are sharing on Twitter and across their social media platforms, what they've learned to make it easier, not just for their own portfolio companies, but for others as well, so they can navigate. So I think um, having, just like in the public side, having a relationship with your bank and on the investment side, if you do have an investor or a VC that's supporting you, you should go to them first. Good to know. And I was going to jump in also, Rebecca, and say, um, I'm sure there's people that maybe were, and I have clients like this too. And of course, there's listeners that are either were beginning to seek investment, or maybe were starting their process, or they sort of thought, hey, this spring, summer, I'm going to start the VC process. So so they were at the beginning, and they didn't have those relationships maybe yet with any VCs. This is obviously a time that you should start and reach out. A lot of VCs, especially right now, they still have a lot of money that they've raised from their LPs over the last you know, year or so that's sitting in, you know, as we call it, dry powder to invest. So VCs, for the most part, are open for business. Are they looking down the line, you know, and, and Shelly can speak more to this about calling LPs to task and calling LPs to get in and invest these, these um, high net worth individuals and institutions? Of course. So we might see a downturn in private capital down the road. But Right now, I think it's a great time. If you have a business that looks like it's going to do well or okay or grow a little bit or maintain over these next chapter, it's, it's, it doesn't mean you should shut down. 100%. Companies. And that's that's exactly right. And I think smart investors, in fact, I know they're looking for those companies. At this time, um, the best companies yeah. are going to survive. And the ones you know that do give up or that don't get started, there is no better time to start than now, even in this economy. If you wait, who knows what's going to happen over the summer or who's, what's going to happen in September. You should be hitting the ground running now because maybe you'll get that check by August or September. So you just can't stop. I agree with that. Totally. One other question I had, and it came up, I was on a call with a bunch of um, female founders yesterday. And one of the companies, she put her company into hibernation and um, she had a, she had a successful big company and she just said she was peeling back and she'll see what it looks like on the other side. And I just couldn't think of a reason why you'd ever take yourself out of the game, you know, and lose that customer base that, you know, uh, the mind share that you occupy in the, in the customer's mind. Do you have thoughts if people are thinking about going into hibernation and what companies should and what companies should just say, you know what, we might be smaller, we might have less staff, 
you know, but we're going to stick around. I mean, I would almost say before you go into hibernation, um, try to get acquired or try to sell or try to form a collaboration or a joint venture, something um, that gives you that exit, right? Your track record is so key. If you've done all this work at this point, why not at least try to orchestrate an exit um, or some sort of a semblance of an exit that you can look back at and say, I did, you know, I did something, I built it up, but because of the economy, we did X and I was able to get out and you have a track record now. I think that's so important. I myself don't understand, um, you know, putting yourself out of business either. So all I can say is maybe there's something going on there that is not transparent or, or visible. I just, I just talked to a fund last week that said that, you know, we're just, they're just not fundraising. They're just stopping and they're not going forward. And even though they've raised X, they just don't feel like they need to hold the first close. And, and that is just not something that I understand either. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> Thought maybe yeah, I was, I was just missing throw, something there. <laughs> yeah, no, and I was just going to throw in just totally as a, as, a, as a consumer, as much as we're getting so many of these emails from the brands that we ha- you know, have always turned to, and, and maybe we're not doing quite as much shopping or whatnot. I love knowing that the business is there doing what it's doing. And, you know, personally, I'm trying to, to you know, as busy as we all are with, with families, home and everything else continue supporting supporting our favorite businesses however we can. And I think there's a nice feeling to this sort of we're in it together, knowing that, you know, all of our favorite brands are still out there doing the best they can and and this collaborative feeling. So I do think there's some goodwill that can be built up, even if you do have to sort of shrink a little bit, but staying out there. And like you said, um, Rebecca, staying in the mind of your of your relevant consumer and knowing, hey, you know, their glamorous founder is sitting at home too. And look at these cool photos that were posted or, you know, whatever it might be that, that shows we're all in this together. It was, it was, it was ironic. This, this article quoted like, uh, how to do things right in, in, on Instagram right now. And, um, they were like making big brands appear small, Rebecca Minkoff doing live streams from her bathroom. And I'm like, (laughs) I was like, the fact that you think that this was a strategy is like hilarious. I'm sitting in my bathroom because it's it's the only place in my house where there's two doors that separate me from my kids, you know? Oh my God, Rebecca, I'm in my closet. (laughs) I can hear my daughter begging, but at least two doors away. Exactly. I was like, but if you think that this was a brand strategy, we're brilliant because of this, because now I appear more small than I guess I'll take that (laughs) because you bring up such a good point right especially in times like this it's so important to show that people are human that you're human and because at this time especially like any other time but more so now authenticity is the only thing that scales and because you were so authentic look somebody thought it was a brand strategy I think that's so funny yeah same with my wet like all of our favorite Go ahead. I don't know. Another person no. thought it was a brand strategy that I like did a an Instagram video with wet hair. They're like, that's so authentic. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you're like, welcome to right, my life. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, all of our favorite, like all of our co- favorite comedians are doing these home shows where their kids are making the signs and it's endearing. It is. Shelly, it's, it's showing the human side. We're all being reduced down to the same, like, you know, four walls. And, you know, if we're lucky enough to have a little piece of yard or something like that, exactly. like, that's it. That's what it's we've got. Really. If everybody totally. puts on their pants one leg at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they put them on at all, yes. right? Well, thank you. I think this is really great, helpful advice. Is there anything that you wanted to cover that we might have um, not gotten to speak about yet? I wanted to just touch on one thing that's come up a lot too is um, employment concerns and, you know, companies downsizing their their employee team. And that it certainly is something that you can navigate on your own. Um, 
I'm not trying to make a plug for the legal profession at all, but if you're a sizable company and you're making sizable layoffs, I would advise having a conversation with somebody, you know, even if it's a friend who's a lawyer or something, just to make sure you're kind of going about it the right way. At all, and only because you know we don't know what's going to come out of this, and if unemployment stays stays high for a long time, you're probably going to see a cottage industry of predatory lawyers trying to you know make these un, you know these claims for violations of um, you know various whatever it is ADA stuff that has to do with asking too many questions about somebody's health or you never know. And I, I see that as a little bit of a hotbed. So I would just tread lightly if that's an area you're going into. Not that you shouldn't make those layoffs, but just make sure you do them right. the right way. That's a good point. So I agree with that. And I will add two things. First of all, I'll say that, you know, I feel very lucky that I found um, my lawyer in Wendy, but he's also a friend. So I think it's also really important that you find someone that you trust and that, you know, has your back, right? That's the profession, but you can find people that are really looking out for you. So I feel really good about having found that in Wendy. Um, And I guess the other thing that I would say, Rebecca, if I had to close with something is, you know, just like in, you know, in our previous crises, you know, women are right there. We're on the front lines. We're fighting for our country. You know, in today's pandemic, you know, what are we doing? We're on the front lines. We're selling masks. We're homeschooling. We're running companies, holding down jobs. But I really want to give a shout out to our healthcare workers who are our true heroes. I mean, especially the ones that we don't hear about, you know, some of the ones that are taking public transportation because they don't have cars and they're putting themselves at risk just to take care of us. So, and to that end, I just wanted to share that um, we have, you know, Shatter has nearly a dozen women-led companies from our portfolio and beyond. Some, of course, that are female founder collective partners um, that are wanting to honor the sacrifice of these healthcare workers by giving away um, a COVID care package and just, you know, trying to give them a little bit of comfort like they're doing for us. And, you know, if they want to follow me on Instagram or on um, Instagram, I think I can give my my handle. That would be the best way for us to track them and give these packages away. Yeah. If each of you guys could provide your Instagram or how you want to be contacted or where people can visit and find more information, that would be great. Um, for the, yeah, for me, they can um, follow me on Shelly Kapoor Collins, all one word on Instagram. Um, it's my personal account. And I'm really grateful for um, the Female Founder Collective for also um, sharing on your social media because we just really want to honor these people together. Awesome. That's great. Folks are totally welcome to follow me on Instagram, <laughs> W Heilbutt, H E I L B U T, but it's not that exciting. It's my family. For, for more professional information, you can follow my law firm um, on Instagram, Jaram Law, J A Y A R A M. Or shoot me an email. Um, that's also a really easy way to get in touch with me or go to my law firm website. My email is just Wendy, my first name, at Jerome Law and our website is uh, Jerome. Awesome. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your quarantine lives uh, to give these helpful tips. I really appreciate it. And I know my listeners appreciate it as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Thanks. Yeah, bye. bye.